But shit, let me tell you about this boys gang. They, they're, they're straight out the, the hot springs, because of course they're in a hot springs town or whatever. He goes and he meets her in the gazebo, and all of a sudden, they're just pouring out feelings. Hold on. And then he looks her in the face, and he's like, I love you. And I'm just like, bruh, we went from not even being able to look her in the face and just dropping I love you? Hey, you guys, what's up? We're the Otaku Couple. I am Mrs. Otaku. And I'm Mr. Otaku. And this is the I'd Rather Anime Podcast number 39. This is your place to catch up on all things anime, new and old, with a lovely addition of our opinions, thoughts, and banter. We know you could be doing other things, but we're glad that you'd rather anime with us. Alright, so what we watched this week? More One Piece, obviously. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I did do a thing. Um, what? How else am I supposed to transition into it? I don't know, there's really no positive way to do this. No positive way? <laughs> I mean, it's One Piece. One Piece is great. Yeah, so, um,. Honestly, not much happened. It was a flashback. Um, I think we're kind of building up to like this final battle type thing. This thing that they're implying that's even bigger than Kaido and Big Mom. That's what Garp was sounding like. Because one story we never got is why Garp is called the hero of the, the Navy. Yeah, why he's called so. Garp the hero. We know why he's called the Fist. Yeah. But we don't know why he's called the hero. Right. So, um, and they were talking about it in this episode, and he was like, this thing called the rocks and people losing their captains. And it was before, you know, Big Mom and Kaido, and they've been around for 40 years, you know, even before Roger. So, yeah, the way I understood it from the way it was done was that apparently at some point Big Mom and Kaido were in the same crew, and I don't know if it was the rocks crew or. They were the Rocks Pirates, or their captain was named Rocks, or whatever. But somehow they were together at the same time. What were Roger's Pirates called? Uh, the Roger Pirates. Seriously? Yeah. Are you sure that's just not the name that history gave them? So, I don't, like, King of the Pirates? I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's probably just, like, the Roger Pirates. I don't know. I don't think... I don't remember any other, uh, names. Huh. And they didn't have any, like, special symbol or anything. And most pirates are named after their their captain. It's just their captains are named by their features. So like Blackbeard is Lost. named. There's the Blackbeard pirates who are named after Blackbeard. There's I mean, the Whitebeard pirates who are named after Whitebeard. But like Lost pirates are called the Heart pirates. Yes, it's because Lost cool. So he actually, you know, did something cool. You know, even Straw Hat pirates like. Monkey D, they're named after Straw Hat Luffy. Yeah. But yeah. Um, But yeah, um, it was just mostly a bunch of flashbacks. If you haven't watched um, One Piece Piece since the uh, dub stopped or whatever, you got a full recap of everything that's happened in the new world so far. So it would be a great episode to jump in, just saying. Honestly, if you haven't watched One Piece at all and you just want to jump in, but you don't want to, you know, just do 800 episodes prior, you could really just jump in at the beginning of the Reverie arc because they're giving you flashbacks of everything that happened from, like, the very, very, very beginning. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you won't get the same impact, but you'll, you'll get, get, the highlights. get the highlights of what happened. 
Yeah. And if it's super important, nine times out of ten, they'll flash back to it anyway. Yeah. They're going to show it to you again. So don't worry. Yeah. Um, but we do recommend watching the whole thing. But we understand why that's uh, improbable for uh, non-professionals like us. <laughs> what we mean is if you have a life, we understand why you might not watch one Alright, um, but all in all, I mean, it was uh, another flashback episode, so let's just move on. Alright, um, Black Clover episode 85, um... This was a, I don't know, I don't know if it's filler, or if this was in the manga, because we don't read the manga. It wasn't a bad... We don't read the manga yet, we might read it in the future. No promises. No promises. But, um... This was, it wasn't a bad episode. Like, basically, we have, like, Asta. He's, like, in this, like, vegetative state in his mind because he's just so, like, distraught over not being able to fight Yuno in the finals and seeing how much further than him that Yuno's gotten. And so, you know, everybody's trying to cheer him up. And then Yami comes along and he's like, hey, we're all going to take a bath together and, and relax. And so... You know, there's guys on one side, girls on the other, and then Yami gets into the story and he's telling them about his younger days when he was just, he wasn't a squad leader yet. He was a, he was a member of... Uh, he was a member of the Grey Deer and the captain of the Grey Deer was the person who's the Wizard King now. Yes. But yeah. And um, it, that's the same squad that's now called the Azur Deer that the paint guy... The- the aqua dude. Aqua dude. I said Azura, didn't I? Yeah. Where did I get that from? I have no clue. Jeez. Okay. Well, the aqua deer uh, is what it's called now, but before it was called the gray deer. And um, it was Yami and Vengeance on the squad. And Vengeance is the squad leader for the Golden Dawn. Yeah. I wonder if all the current captains used to be on... Uh, Probably. On his squad, at least most of them. That would make sense because so I feel like, like the Mantis guy was probably on their squad too. I feel like it would make sense because if he's the Wizard King and he's overpicking his most trusted advisors to not only report straight to him but also lead the next generation of squad leaders, the- you want those people to be people that you trust and you 100% and believe in their power and their capabilities and it's very hard to make that decision with people that you don't know so. yeah so I think most of them probably used to be a part of this squad what I didn't understand with this episode is how they're trying to paint this rivalry between like Yami and Vengeance when he already has a rivalry with the praying mantis mm-hmm. and that's been going on for like ever and they've made it known like this has been going on for forever but now they're trying to say like vengeance and him go way way back and like their rivals and all this that and the other and yeah. i'm just like but they made it seem like he didn't really know hardly anything about vengeance when he met him before when he was suspecting him of being the uh i have the midnight sun leader guy yeah and maybe it's because vengeance keeps to himself and they're not on the same squad anymore and he's like mysterious but even so it was just kind of like okay why does Yami need a rival like right now and why vengeance of all people so yeah, that kind of makes me like I feel like they're twisting going. the story just for like plot convenience I guess there's going to be something in the future that they're probably going to have they're going to pay off but 
It's just like, it feels very forced. I hope it's not because, you know, Golden Dawn is number one. So they're trying to make it seem like Yami and Vengeance have always been like in this neck and neck race. Because like in the beginning, Yami didn't care about stars at all. Like they were in the negative. And Vengeance didn't come up like once. And even during the whole uh, festival thing, and even before that, it was like it was made clear that the leader of the Green Mantis is Yami's mm-hmm. eternal rival, you know? Yeah. So I'm just wondering if they're going to try to spin it like now that the Black Bulls are number two, that uh, the Golden Dawn and the Black Bulls are neck and neck because Austin, you know, are rivals and their squad leaders are not our rivals. And they've always been that way and trying to build up the plot that way, you know? Yeah. Hopefully that's not the case, but I mean, we'll see. Oh. All right, I think that's it for Black Clover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for it to have been a scene with them in the bath, it was mostly storytelling, so it wasn't as uh, it wasn't a typical anime bath scene. So yeah, because normally you didn't see any like anime boobs or like the the males and females were separated by a wall. Yeah, they and they weren't trying to climb. climb it. They weren't trying to climb it or peek on each other or anything crazy like that. It was which just, I actually kind of appreciated because like the black bulls are all like family so it's really really would have been like trying to peek on like your older or younger sister which is just like creepy yeah and that's a completely different brand of anime than what black clover is yeah so i'm, I'm glad it worked out that way yeah i just wanted to give credit where credit's due for having a uh, respectable bath episode. a normal bath episode even though really how much anime do you have to watch to think that oh watching people in the bath is completely normal especially when they're all together like, yeah how much anime do you have to watch to change your mindset? <laughs> I don't know. Um, let's, uh, I think that's it for Black Clover. You got anything else for it? Nope. Um, oh, the thing that actually happened, <laughs> Yami was telling the story about when he was younger, he went to a village, he got paid in food and naps to uh, save a farm village from bandits, and while he was struggling because he was strong, but there's just a lot of them, and vengeance showed up out of it nowhere and started helping them out and that's how they met and then they became rivals because they had the whole anime cliche of we walk this we walk different paths but one day we will be on the same path and I guess that will make you my rival yeah like, what like, okay. we walk different paths but we're headed towards the same destination I will be a squad and Magic Knight squad captain before you. Now they're both squad captains. We don't know who got there before who, but whatever. Yeah. The only thing that I thought was interesting was how Yami actually offered for him to come along with him. Because most mm-hmm. of the time when you have like training arcs at anime, they're not asking, hey, you want to come train with me? You know, most of them are just like, no, I must forge my own path in this cruel, cruel world. Yeah. But Vengeance was like, I got my own mission. So. Yeah. But yeah, um, I think that's pretty much it. Let's uh, take a quick break. All right, we are back and let's get to our uh, Isekai uh, anime. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, let's start off with The Rising of the Shield Hero. Mm-hmm. This episode was so good. Let me tell you. So I want to preface this by saying that on on social media there are some people who are like way far left with their opinion and I'm not going to say that they're wrong 
necessarily. I'm just going to say that I disagree because I think this was an amazing, amazing episode and it was entirely satisfying. It was extremely satisfying because it's just like they've built up all this hate on Nafumi or whatever and we've seen him been done wrong in so many ways throughout the previous 20 episodes of this show and on episode 21 they finally clear his name yes and they clear it the right way and they go all out and it was a beautiful episode and there was no fighting in it but it was great yeah so basically what happened is the queen obviously met up with Nafumi and friends and so she was like you know I have this proposition for you I want you to come to the castle we're gonna clear your name Nafumi at first he's like no but basically she's like okay look you can leave the country you don't have to work with us at this point it would be unfair to ask anything of you but just come to the castle at this time so that we can clear your name and then you can go and so Nafumi's like fine cool so they go to the castle and the um the rest of the, the other- parties are kept out and the people outside the only people allowed in are Nafumi and his party of Melty Philo and Raftalia and the other three heroes. Yeah, those are the only people that are allowed in. There were a few other people that I guess were already in the castle. I guess I don't know who like, they were, but I think it had to be like the actual like royal guard and the actual people who belong in the castle. Like any yeah. outside people, like if you don't belong in the castle, you were not allowed in the castle. Yeah, so. but everybody else was gathered outside yeah, for an, for an announcement. Right, so they've got these, like, big screens because, like, it's a magic world, right? Right? They're just projecting the inside of the royal hall or mm-hmm. whatever. So they, so the people can see what's going on. Right, and so then the queen, uh, she she walks in, sits on her throne, and everybody else is just like, you know, whoa, the queen's back, what's going on, et cetera, et cetera. And she's like, bring in the prisoners. And so the prisoners are the king and mine, multi-mine, whatever you want to call her. Mm-hmm. And basically everyone's like, what? The king and the princess are on trial? And basically the queen, I have so much respect for her because you have to understand that this is a matriarchy. She is in charge. She runs things. Her last name is Melomark. You know what the kingdom's called? Melomark. Okay. So... And I respect the fact that she does her job and she does it fairly and impartially because the king and the princess, the first princess, were occluding together with the Three Heroes Church to take down the kingdom. And so... Like, they weren't planning on taking down the kingdom. The Three Heroes Church was planning on taking down the kingdom. And they were working with them. But they were working with them unknowingly of the take down the kingdom part, but they were just trying to get rid of the shield hero. Yeah. So... She's on her throne. Melty, the heir to the throne, is standing beside her. And then the people come in and she takes no prisoner. She's all business. She was like, this is the trial for uh, the king. And she says his name and the first princess. And she says her name. And I am queen such and such. And I will be serving as the judge and execution. So then she has them bring out the stuff for the slave crest. And she says... Uh, the first princess for the purposes of this trial will be subjected to a temporary slave crest because she's a pathological liar. And so basically what this does is every time that she lies, it's like uh, like an electric shock band, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and everybody can see it. Right, it's very, it's very clear that she's not telling the truth. And 
the rules are very simple. If you tell the truth, you will not be hurt in any way. Mm-hmm. But she can't tell the truth. So anyway, she gets the slave pressed and I'm going to pause right here and say that this is the part where a lot of people were like, oh, you know, the, the shield hero, like you shouldn't do that and da 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 And it's just kind of like, no offense, but she deserved it. This is how they, this is how their justice system works in this country. She's been doing illegal, illegal activities. And it's, I think it's a clear example that no one in this country is above the law, not yep. even the royals who create the law. Yep. And I think that was the queen's entire point. Yeah. And I thought it was a beautiful point to make. And I thought she made it very clearly. And it shows that the queen is a actual just ruler in that she Dessert, honestly, she d- deserves to be queen because she cares about the people in the country more so than her own family. But I digress. Uh, so she's basically asking multi mine these questions left and right. You know, did you work with the Three Hills Church? Of course, she says no. She gets electrocuted. And then she's like, did you know that they were trying to overthrow the country? She's like, of course I didn't know that they were overthrowing the country. That is the only true statement that she makes. Mm-hmm. Which makes and, sense because she wanted to be the future ruler of the country. Right. So, no, she didn't know that they were doing that. Right. But so, still. basically, the queen calls her out on working with the, with the church to get rid of Nafumi, putting a, a hit out on her younger sister. Trying to kill her younger sister. Yeah, trying to kill her. And then she lies and... Uh, Motiyatsu, he's like, no, she would never do that. Like, he's denying it. Even though seeing that she's lighting up like a Christmas tree. He's like, no, she's telling the truth. But then when the queen gets to like your most heinous cry- crime of um, false rape accusations against the shield hero, she's like, like, I never. And Matiatsu's finally like, no, you came to me for help, right? And then the queen looks at him and is like, what, you don't believe me? Here, you can make a, uh, a slave pack with her yeah. and you can ask her the questions. So he does and he asks her the question and she still lights up like a Christmas tree and then he just turns his back on her. He was finally done. Like it took all that. Like even though she was getting lit up like a Christmas tree, he still didn't believe that she she, she was doing all these horrible, horrible things thing. from the get go. Right. Or whatever. And then they have this over the voiceover that says this continued for over an hour. Yeah. And mind you, this is all in front of the public. So the public can see. This is not anything that they heard. This is not anything they have to believe from somebody else. They can see firsthand, like, all the lies and things that she's done. So finally, at the end of this... Oh, and there's this whole thing with the king where he's like, you know, I wanted to get rid of the shield to protect the country, yada, yada, yada. And she's just like, shut up. Nobody cares, pretty much. Oh, and, and we um, also find out... Was it this episode or the previous episode when we found out how they did all this behind her back and why she was gone the whole time. Um, I want to say it was the the previous episode, but basically, if we haven't mentioned it, the reason that all of this was allowed to happen is because while the queen was gone, she was working with the other kingdoms because Melamark is not the only kingdom in this universe. They were trying to figure out how to fight the waves. So, you know, as the matriarch, she went to go figure out what's going to happen. But while she was gone... Her husband summoned all four of the cardinal heroes. And, you know, the rule is once they're summoned, you cannot summon another four until the original four die. And all of them have to die. Yeah. And, so, but normally each hero is supposed to be in a different uh, nation. Right. And that's why Nafumi was like, oh, that's probably why you can't form a party together because you're not even supposed to be in the same nation together. 
and um, she was like, basically, while she was gone, this happened in her absence, and then she had, she had to, put, to put out all, all these the fires. Because, you know, everybody else is like, okay, well, you've got all four heroes, and that's probably not what we agreed on. We don't know what they talked about, but most likely that's not what they agreed upon. Yeah, and so, so, so she's preventing them from, like, being mad at her country and trying to take out war and stuff for the stuff that her husband's done behind her back while she was gone. Exactly. So, it's just, it's, it's, this episode is very political, but it's very good. Because at the end of all of this, this trial, the queen is finally like, okay, I've heard enough. It's time for my sentencing. Both the king and the first princess will be sentenced to death by beheading. So they take them to the guillotine and they are ready to chop their heads off. In front of everybody. Now, everybody's allowed to be at the uh, execution platform. It's like a stadium with them being executed in the middle. It's like the same type of setup as the uh, duel that happened. It might Mm -hmm. be the exact same place. It might be the same place. But um, anyway, mine is ba- basically begging Motiatsu to save her. And he just straight does that whole, like, don't even look at me type mm-hmm. thing. And then she turns to Nafumi and she begs for her life. And Nafumi is like, she's not lying. Like, she's not lighting up like a Christmas tree. Like, she actually is begging me to save her life. So Nafumi steps in and now this is generally a G-rated podcast. But for the purposes of what happens next in the anime, it's going to be slightly PG-13. Yep, it's going to be explicit so. for about one minute. So feel yeah. free to fast forward. Yeah. So basically, Nafumi steps in and he's like, look, if she is a pathological liar and she's a horrible woman, if she can look me in the eye while she's about to get chopped off, her head chopped off, and beg me for her life without lying, then, you know, her thick skin, the guillotine probably won't even cut through me. Right? <laughs> yeah. So he's like, instead, dying is too easy. Let's give them another punishment. From now on, the king shall be known as trash. And this girl right here, she's going to be known as bitch. And that's going to be her given name for the rest of her life. And the queen steps up and she's like, ah, but what about her other name? When she's adventuring, she goes by mine. What would be her adventuring name? And he's like, "Mm, let's call her slut. So her given name is now bitch and or slut. And... The king's name is Trash, and they have to be addressed as that for the rest of their lives. For the rest of their lives. And she decreed it, and she was like, so be it. And then Nafumi, he left, and the queen tried to throw him a little party or whatever to, you know, you know give him his awards. He was going to give out awards or whatever, but he was like, nah, nah, I'm out. And of course, the other three heroes are like, cool with him. now. like, hey, Nafumi, where you going? We're going to hang out. And he's like, eh, I'm good. Like, we're going to go. And... They were like, okay, cool. We're going to go enjoy your party without you then. Yeah, pretty much. And so they're still going to be weak, obviously, because Nafumi is like, I'm still leaving the country. I'm not staying here. Yeah. And uh, so he leaves. And Melty, she stays behind. But before he leaves, though, he does agree that he'll work with them when it comes to stopping the waves. Right. Or whatever. Because before all this uh, conspired or whatever, you know, the queen didn't think that he was even going to, like, work with their country anymore. Yeah, and, and she's she like, understood. I understood. I understand if you don't want to see us ever again. So that's how. Again, she's she's a good leader, but um, yeah. And Melty stayed behind because she's prince. She's the first princess. She's the heir to the throne. She can't well, just run she's around. She's the second the princess, but she's the heir to the throne. 
Oh, I forgot just that. But they were stripped of their powers, so technically she's, she's still the second, first and last still, princess. She's, she's second born, but she's still the heir to the throne. Yeah. But yeah, so... Yeah. And it was it was a really good episode. It was a really good episode. And there's one other thing that was left out or whatever. After Nafumi walked away, the queen kind of broke down, and then we found out that um, the queen had a little sabuku knife. If you don't know what a sabuku knife is, it's basically... It's a dagger. First of all, it's a dagger. Yes, yes. It's basically just a little dagger that people use to kill themselves. No, no, no. She did not have a sabuku knife. She had a dagger. Okay, all right. She but had... you can... It's its function is to serve the same as that of a sabuku knife. Okay, all right. But regardless, she was going to put her life on the line or whatever and beg the shield hero to spare their lives or whatever if he you know hadn't stepped in oh yeah and also let's throw in the fact that i firmly believe that nafumi has premonition because he in the first episode he was in his regular you know regular world bed and he had a dream about being in a melomart or being in a different world he didn't know what it was and then he also had um there's another point in the in the series where he had a dream about what was going to come and it came to pass and then he also had a dream about you know this about him watching them at the guillotine getting their heads cut off and he was like what am I going to do when that comes to pass so I believe that Nafumi can see the future alright yes but back to what I was saying though um, basically the queen or whatever she was like I was going to beg him to save them you know and change for my life uh, if he didn't say no I was going to let them die and then I was still going to kill myself or whatever and that was basically like what she was going to do that's like that's how prepared she was going to go so she still cares about her husband and her child but she just puts her kingdom above that yeah and I think that's a really good sign of a good ruler when they put their their needs as a kingdom above their own personal desires they're not like a good ruler can't be selfish when you have that much power over other people not if you're going to be a fair and just ruler because if she had wanted to she could have just been she could have been just as selfish and cruel to Nafumi as her family was just because they are her family and you know some people like to say yeah she could have tried to cover it up she could have swept it all under the rug she could have done whatever she wanted to because she's the highest power in the kingdom like there is no one above her but um it's a good episode it's very political but if you haven't watched the shield hero i highly recommend watching it the first episode is a little rough to get through but um i thought the first episode was fine i think it's good i think it could have as our society says triggering things in it if you're not careful but it's really really good so but yeah that's that all right um let's move on to the wise man's grandchild episode number eight um they continue their training Mm -hmm. and in this episode we find out that uh aug has a fiance yeah like aug has been telling uh shin how to like spit this game to sazillion this entire time we're like okay chill out Aug. you don't have a girlfriend lies aug does not have a girlfriend because he has a fiance he is set to marry the girl that he likes so he's basically telling shin this entire time get on your game bruh 
Like, yeah. step up your game. We all know the truth. And he looks Shin dead in the face. He's like, oh, okay, so you're cool if somebody else comes in and sweeps a zillion off her feet because you're too uh, scared to step up to the plate. And he's like, no, I don't want that. And he's like, but a confession, is it's scary. He's like, yeah, it's a risk. That's why they call it a confession. You know, and I just, I love I love I love Og. Og. I love yeah. Og. I love everybody's role in this. I love how Maria is just like she thought she was gonna be the friend with a boyfriend doing like racy things, and she's like, I don't even have a boyfriend, a Sicilian, the sweet one, the quiet sweet one. Not only does she have a boyfriend, she's the one doing s- s- what, what is s- scandalous scandalous thing. and it's just it's perfect. Oh, I had a moment. I'm sorry, but. And it's just, it's cute because they have this whole confession where they're just like, but Shin, let me tell you about this boys game. They, they're, they're straight out the, the hot springs because of course they're in a hot springs town or whatever. He goes and he meets her in the gazebo and all of a sudden they're just pouring out feelings. Hold on. And then he looks her in the face and he's like, I love you. And I'm just like, bruh, we went from not even being able to look her in the face and just dropping I love you. So like, he's like, straight, like, going straight all the way to I love you. Like, I was like, man, is he going to follow this up with a marriage proposal? Like, it was going kind of crazy. Like, I didn't know where this was going because I'm so used to watching Slice of Life anime. I'm like, it takes an entire, like, 10 episodes just like for them entire... to, like, hold hands. Yeah. But he went, he jumped straight to the Sicilian I love you. Will you be my girlfriend? And she's like, yes. And then as they're about to kiss, like everybody falls out the woodwork. Everybody is in the bushes behind the gazebo watching everything. And this is after Cecilia embarrassed herself in front of everybody because uh, Og's fiance came with them to the training site with his little sister. Mm-hmm. So his fiance and his little sister are there now. And they're talking, I forgot where the conversation started. Basically, oh, they were talking about how Shin was as a kid. And everyone was like, oh, yeah, I can totally see him being a giant problem or whatever. And so Cezillian, she speaks up. She's like, no, I don't think you're like that at all, Shin. In fact, I'm sure that all children will be great. And I would love to hold their hands. Mm -hmm. I am sure of it. And she just says, our children, like, it is the most natural thing in the world. Yep. And she's just like, oh, my God, did I just say that? And everybody's just looking at her like, yeah, you you did. did. Like, and the girls are teasing her. She's like, ooh, you're so bold. Like, ooh, strong move. Right? That's a power play. And then, of course, she runs out the room screaming. Her face red as a beat. Yeah. But, um... And then Shin finally Shin finally gets it. Because before, he was telling Og, like, are you sure she feels the same way? Og was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. It's it's yeah. pretty obvious or whatever. It was and, like, how could you know? Did she tell you that? Um, She doesn't have to. I can look at her and tell. So, and, uh, <laughs> they, Og and Shin have this priceless exchange where Og is like, do you get it now? And Shin's like, well, after she said all that, I can't. And Og is just like, but she had to say all of that for you to get it. So you're still pretty, pretty dense. dense. Yeah. I love Og's character. Like, Shin is great. And Ciz- I love Shin and Cezillion. But, like, Og is top tier character right here. Because Og is a prince. But he's not, like, an arrogant prince. And he's, like, a leader. And he's very cool and mild-mannered. And he's he's fine with just being Shin's cousin. Like, he's the prince of the, the capital. Like, he's going to take over the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And he's cool with just being the cousin of the hero. Yeah. And he's got a fiance who's super pretty. And yeah. who's like totally into him. And he's just like, life is good, bruh. Yeah. And, and he's super powerful magic. And magic keep, user. And keep in mind, 
that um Aug fiance this is not an arranged marriage like you normally see with royalty no he he chose her like like they actually develop a relationship and everything and then became engaged yeah so i think that also makes it better because it's not Mm -hmm. like oh our parents said that we're going to get married and i don't really like her but we and it's not a one-sided thing is this is a true relationship that he has yeah because the reason she came up to the summer camp anyway is because she was jealous that he was spending his time all of his time with somebody else and just talking constantly about somebody else. He's, she's just like, you know what? I'm coming with you. I want to meet this Shin person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? And I just, I love that because that's like real. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that that he was like, you can't go. It's too dangerous or whatever. But she's like, like, try and stop me. It was like, I already got permission. It was like, yeah. They got our father. His father was like, like, yeah, I'll give them permission to go. This is like, his what? father is the serious? king. There's no higher authority to take this to. Nope. His father said, it's cool. And I love how, like, they were just talking about their relationship after Shin and Sicilian confessed their love to each other. They were just, like, casually talking about their relationship and how they met and how he just thinks she's, like, so great. And she's just like, stop. You're embarrassing me. Go on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a fun, very entertaining episode. It was. It for sure was. And so the last thing on our list is what Demon Slayer. Yep, Demon Slayer episode number nine. Yeah. They continue their fight with the other two demons, and we find out that these two demons are part of the twelve demon moons or something. Of course, the twelve demon moons. We have to have a demon for each cycle of the moon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they continue to fight them and. That's the whole episode, honestly. Uh, is not very strong, but she's trying. Tanjiro sucks as a character, but he's trying. Um, the villains. I like the villains in this anime way more than I like the heroes. I, I will say one thing. The guy with the arrow powers or whatever, I think that was very inventive and different. Because we've seen so many types of powers in anime. It's kind of like everything's been done before. But I've never seen somebody with, like, the arrows, arrows like that. Like, I'm going to look at you. It's just like, well, technically we saw that one with the, uh, uh, the, uh, is it, was it a place for the, like, you know, the one with the, uh, the girl who came out of nowhere with the psychotic powers and she ended up at the mob, the mob oh, guy. Okay. And yeah, they played that game where they were like, look this way and look that way. No, but they were like forcing them with like that's what he was doing with the arrows yeah go that that way go this way go up spin around yeah but that i understand what you what you what you're trying to say but no that's not the same at all no it's it's way on a different level but um honestly this is this is why i kind of how i feel about demon slayer i don't think it's a bad anime i think it's very much an anime for beginners and what i mean by that is people who have not watched a ton of shonen anime so they're not at that point where they can predict what's going to happen next and they're more focused on the action and the graphics and how the story is told versus what's actually happening in the story because in my opinion demon slayer is not very unique it's not very in my opinion very interesting tanjiro isn't super overpowered we get to see him use his sword in a really unique way, but like a lot of elements to this 
are not surprising and Tanjiro in my opinion doesn't have a very unique character in that yeah, he's yeah. memorable he's, he's not, just he a protagonist have... he's a very generic stock based protagonist yeah he he doesn't really have a, a real character to him there isn't anything that really draws you to him or makes you relate with him and as a main character that's something you really need in order to make it a, a really good show mm-hmm. and he just doesn't have that yeah, like the villains, I feel like the demons that he has to fight are way more interesting than he is. So, and that for me is a problem because I'm like, I don't even really want to see you defeat the demons because like, why? To do what? <laughs> exactly. Like, what is your goal here? And I know that his goal is, you know, turn his sister back into a human, but it's such a lofty goal with no actual concrete steps to take. It's just like, how am I supposed to root for you? And I even I don't even know what you're working towards. You know, it's just like this invisible goal. But um, I digress. Like I said, I think it's anime for beginners. If you want to get into the shonen genre, I think this would be a good place to start with recent anime. This is not a bad place to start if you want to start with a recent anime. I mean, but I'd recommend starting with something like Yu Yu Hakusho. I said uh, recent. That's why I said a recent anime. I know. I know. I know. Like I within know the last saying. 20 years. I didn't disagree with you, but I would start with something like Yu Yu Hakusho, Hunter x Hunter. I mean, like if I had to come up with an anime you know, starter pack. If you don't want to watch anime, but you just want to watch something really good, and you only want to watch one thing for like the rest of your life, One Piece. Um... <laughs> You'll be watching that literally for the rest of your life. But, uh, yeah. I just, I don't know. I would recommend it to someone like... I don't know. I wouldn't Uh, recommend it, honestly. I'd recommend, like, My Hero or something first. But, um... The animation with his water, the water sword, though, is actually really, really cool. I will say the studio is doing a great job on this anime. I'm what pretty the? sure it's done by you foldable the same people who did uh, Unlimited Blade Works. Pretty sure it's the same Maybe studio. that's why I like it. So it looks really good. But, um, yeah. It looks really good. But the story, it, it needs work. Yeah. Definitely needs some work. But, um, I wouldn't even say the story. Tanjiro himself the characters, as a character. The characters need development. The story isn't necessarily a bad idea by any means. But it's just like there's nothing to attach you to these characters. Yeah, there's nothing. Especially Tanjiro. Like the other characters actually aren't that bad. But Tanjiro. Nezuko. Okay. Well, at least she can't speak. The demon doctor. Okay. Well. The demon doctor's assistant. At least they have more character than Tanjiro. They do, which is sad. (laughs) And we just met them. But, um. Yeah. Yeah, but um, we, we're not here to bash the anime or anything. It's just, uh, no, not today. Okay. We'll say that for later, and depending on how bad it gets. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. So, that's it for this episode of the podcast. If you liked it, please subscribe and tell your friends about it. And please make sure that you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at I'd Rather Anime. If you want to share your opinion about what we talked about or give us suggestions on what you want to hear us talk about next, tweet at us or you can send us a voice message on Anchor and maybe we'll share it in the next episode of the podcast. We know you could be doing other things, but we're glad that you decided to animate with us. Until next time, peace. Out. So, like, can we watch some anime now?